Hey guys, and welcome to The Drop-Off, a daily podcast between father and son about life, sports, and everything in between. <coughs> Today is Thursday, Tuesday, and it's a very good day, because last night the Celtics beat the Bucks to even the series 2-2, two to two. so what thoughts did you have coming out of that game? Uh, my thoughts is, I think this game, I think this series is going 7. Uh, that's what kind of all indications are pointing to. Um, it's going it, to, it, this has been just like a defensive slugfest. I mean, n- neither of the offenses look really that smooth. Really, there's like no, I mean, obviously there are some easy shots in this game, you know, like make it to the basket and stuff, but both teams are making the other team work hard for the points. And I think if I'm a Celtics fan, I'm feeling good because Jason Tatum has not played well in this series and it's still 2-2. However, if you're a Bucks fan, you kind of feel the same way because you're like, Middleton's not playing. Giannis is clearly the best player in the series. I think you feel pretty good about your chances uh, to win two out of the next three games. As a big Celtics fan, what are your thoughts uh, in the series so far and looking forward to the next three uh, couple games? Last night it looked like Al Horford turned back the clock. I mean, he scored 30 points his playoff career high. And, I mean, he was keeping the Celtics in the game the entire time. I mean, he basically rallied them back. <coughs> basically, they, they were down by 12, and then he dunked on Giannis, and then they went on a 14-2 run. So, yeah. When, um, yeah. And then at the t- end, I think Tatum sort of turned it on. I think that this might be the turning point for in the, in the series, and I think he's maybe figured out how to break the, um, or in some way, him and like Marcus Smart have figured out how to break the Bucks defense. Yeah, a lot of it seemed like shots that he normally hits just weren't going down. Um, but in my mind, he did seem like a little bit uncomfortable. Like he'd be hesitant uh, compared to earlier this season or games where he was like feeling confident. He didn't look that same way. He'd be hesitant with his threes, his drives. He seemed like he didn't really have a plan oftentimes. He'd end up pulling for a, a tough mid-range jumper over Wesley Matthews, who's like right in his space. And, you know, he's a great player. He can hit those shots, but those are hard shots for anybody. Um, but I did read a stat that in the fourth quarter, Al Horford and Jason Tatum were 10 for 10 from the field. Uh, the no, uh, the Boston Celtics scored like 40, 43 points, I think, in the fourth quarter, which is the most that any team has scored in the playoffs in any, I think, in any quarter, but maybe in the fourth quarter. And so, wow, yeah, they just had, and it was kind of the same thing in the third quarter. They were coming down into the fourth, down by a lot, and then they just got like a great kick. I think the question is, what do you, oh. I was going to say last night, they're, they're like the exact opposite of the, um, Texas Longhorns. Last year, the Texas Longhorns, they would come in the, into the fourth quarter with a big fourth quarter lead and then just blow it. But the Celtics this time, they've been been on a huge fourth quarter deficit and then like come back from it. And them at the beginning of the year, they are kind of like that. That was just cold, man. You know a lot of our listeners are Texas Longhorn <laughs> fans. Did you really have to say that? That just... That's just like that's just wrong. That's adding insult to injury. Obviously, they were they're a terrible team last year, five and seven, didn't even make it to a bowl, and now you're just throwing salt on the wounds. That, that's that's wrong. Yeah, that's cold. Uh, but I think one question that people are starting to wonder about coming out of the game is, what do you do? Do you do you stay small? Like the Celtics did their best with their, their small lineup, right? Grant Williams didn't play in the fourth quarter, even though he had a pretty good game um, early on. 
but they played Derek White almost the entire fourth quarter, and that really opened up their offense, it seemed, right? Because they had four out, just Horford in the middle. Um, obviously, Robert Williams didn't play that game. We'll see if he's coming back or not. But do you think that's the w- winning formula for the Celtics against this Bucks team? Yes. I think if um, <coughs> the if Al Horford can play like he did this game, like even just like kind of like it, um, I think that we'll we'll de- I think we could potentially win this um, series in six. Yeah, I mean, I like that idea of staying small, spreading out the court, uh, bringing the shot blocker outside. You know, Al Horford, he's not going to sh- shoot, what was he, like five or seven from three every game. But just the fact that he can bring out, they'll have to guard him at the three, just creates so much more space uh, in the paint for the rest of the team, um, especially when the three ball's not falling, which for most of the night, it wasn't really falling for either team. Uh, so tough, tough game, really fun to watch, really kind of back and forth uh was not looking good for the celtics for most of the game uh, but really turned on the fourth great gave a great performance hopefully that bodes well going back to boston for game five and um you know game five is pivotal i don't know what the stats are but in most seven game series the game five winner goes on to win the win the series so big game uh when, it, when is that game going to be i think the game is on wednesday so Hopefully on Wednesday we can watch it. Yeah, the nice thing about these games is that they're on the East Coast, so it's earlier for us. It's not it's not the late game like it was for the Warriors-Grizzlies starting on the West Coast, like 9.30 our time. Any other big takeaways you have from this game? Um, no. I think that, um... Jason, I just think that Jason Tatum, I think he kind of figured it out at the end. But um, do you want to talk about the next game that happened last night? Yeah, you didn't watch this game, um, like because I mentioned it was, it was so late. But I watched part of it. I didn't watch most of it. I watched the fourth quarter. It was Warriors-Grizzlies. Game four in in uh, San Francisco. And I think because Ja was out for this game, I think it was ruled out because of his knee issues. I think because of that, like, I don't know what the line was. I'm sure the Warriors were favored by a ton. Uh, but it was way closer than expected. And actually, the Grizzlies won, or the Grizzlies were winning for most of the game. I don't think the Warriors took their first lead until there's like two minutes left in the game. Uh, but you know what? This is like the grit without jaw. It really is like they're like the grit and grizz, sorry, grit and grind Warriors of old. I mean, sorry, Grizzlies of old. I think this is the reason why they were like, what was that stat? Like 18 and 2 without jaw? Without Jaw, they're like a really, really, really good defensive team, right? Adams is back in the middle. They have quality quality defenders. Like, Jaw by far is the worst defender on their team. And I think that, that's pretty clear. Uh, the fact that this game ended up to be so low scoring. Um, and it really wasn't. It only got higher scoring at the end because they kept on fouling the Warriors after missing shots. And so they definitely, see, what happened was they missed Jaw at the end because they didn't have anybody who could create, who could get their shot right. Jaw, like, nobody can stay in front of Jaw. He can get his best. What do you think about this idea? Don't play Jaw for like the first 42 minutes of the game. And then just bring him in for like the last six minutes. <laughs> I know that's silly, but um, it, it's pretty amazing. If you have a great defense, if you have a great defense, you're almost guaranteed to be in every game. Um, but super bummer that Jaw wasn't there. Now it's 3-1 and pretty much the writing's on the wall. This series is going to be over. 
let's go send that request into what's his name? Um, T Taylor Jenkins. Tell him to sit jaw for the first 42 minutes and then play him the last six. So, um, uh, what what else should we t preview the two games tonight? Well, I I just want to say I mean I know the series is not over, um, but. I think if you're a Grizzlies fan, you have to be feeling really, really good about your team and its future. I mean, you have Jaw, who is a transcendent superstar of our league. You know, a lot of people are talking about, like, he's the new face of the NBA because his style is just electric. He connects with the fans um, in just a really kind of powerful way. His style of play is just so fun to watch. And they went with Jaw in the lineup, and even without him, really, they've gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Golden State Warriors, a team with a championship pedigree. Granted, they're on kind of the, the far side of their, their prime, you know, kind of coming out of their prime. But they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, right? They're, they're not afraid. They were, the moment was not too big for them, and it has not been too big for them, even though they haven't gotten the results that they might have hoped for. And then they have a clean cap sheet. They got draft picks coming in. Like, the future is bright. The bright future Grizzlies. Is their cap sheet clean? They're about to give Jared and Jaw the max. <coughs> now they already signed Jared, Jared to a contract. It's clean in the sense that they have money now moving forward that they can use before they sign Jaw to that extension. So once they sign Jaw, it's probably going to be, um, you know, over for them. But I, if if I were them, I don't know. I would think hard about whether or not they really want to sign Dylan Brooks to a to a, a bigger extension. Uh, he 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 was really he was like four for twenty last night. Steph shot two for twenty five, four for ten for twenty five, and still had forty. And I guess he was the first player to hit four hundred threes or five hundred threes in his postseason career. <coughs> yeah, Steph was actually struggling from from deep for most of the night. The only reason he got to forty points was because at the end. Obviously, he's the best free throw shooter in league history. So the Warriors were always getting him the ball, and the Grizzlies had to foul him. Um, in order to kind of extend the game, prolong the game, you know. And so he probably had like, I don't know, six or eight free throws at the end of the game to kind of pad his stats. I thought that was Rick Barry. Are you going to get into an argument on who the best um, uh, free throw shooter is? By percentage, I think it's Steph. But, I mean, I obviously could be wrong about that. So if not the best, then one of the best. Jose Calderon shot 98% one year. Yeah, but he doesn't shoot a high enough volume of free throws to really make that argument, I think. He shot like 400 that year, I think. No, he didn't. There's no way. There's no way Jose Calderon is averaging five free throw attempts a game. That's, no, he's a jump shooter, man. I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, shot 200 less than what you're claiming he shot. So we'll get our we'll get our fact checking team to fact check all the uh, outrageous claims that Nathaniel's making, <laughs> and we'll see we'll see what the truth is. But uh, great games last night. Uh, another series really fun. NBA basketball is the best. But we've arrived at school. School year is coming to a close. We're so glad that you've joined us for these first two seasons of the drop-off. Please give us all your feedback of how we can improve in the future, uh, what you want more of, what you'd like to see differently, and uh, hopefully we can keep on making this happen. All right, Nathaniel, have a great day at school, buddy.